You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. Listen, we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs, talk a little bit about the NBA. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening down in Houston. A little Coach Prime and HBCU football talk and a very interesting trading card scenario for you. But first to the NFL playoffs, Danny, the wild card weekend was uh, very intriguing. The Colts season ended against the Bills 27-24. Rams versus the Seahawks 30-20 in the Rams' favor. Buccaneers and the Washington football team where the Buccaneers prevailed. Ravens versus the Titans. Ravens went ahead and won on the road. And Saints versus the Bears, 21-9 in favor of the Saints. And then a very surprising, surprising performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers that ended up ending their season against divisional rival Cleveland Browns, where the Browns prevailed 48-37. I remember this game for me actually watching something entirely different and I was like, okay, well, maybe first five, 10 minutes, uh, I'll watch this other show. And then ultimately I'll turn the TV on over to the other channel where the game is on. And as I did that, I flipped over and next thing you know, it was 21 to nothing in Cleveland's favor. And I called my uh, brother-in-law who is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I was like, man, what did I miss? What in the world happened? (laughs) <laughs> He's like, man, I done turned the TV off, man. I I can't watch this no more. I was like, dang, in the first quarter? Just what a surprising performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the fact that they didn't show up. And now there are questions, obviously, swirling around. What is Big Ben going to do, especially with this big contract? So the offseason is going to be very interesting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, by Seattle actually losing against the L.A. Rams, which was an awesome performance by the defense of the L.A. Rams. I will have to say this, Danny, because now the Rams go into Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers, and oh boy, what a matchup that is going to be. You always hear the phrase, a matchup within a matchup. This is an epitome of just that. Man, just the whole Devontae Adams-Ramsey matchup. I am so looking forward to this. <laughs> Aaron Donald against the Packers offensive line. Man, just oh man, this is just going to be such a good game and I'm so nervous <laughs> for the Packers because the LA Rams defense can travel. What's going to be very interesting what a lot of people are not talking about on the flip side, the Packers defense against this Rams offense and where Golf's uh, thumb uh, is going to be a factor in that cold weather 
Yeah. LA team going into a cold weather climate, coming on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Oh man, stop. <laughs> this is going to be an intriguing matchup because defense travels, man. So I am so looking forward to to that matchup. I'm also intrigued by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the New Orleans Saints uh, this coming weekend as well. That is going to be uh, such an intriguing matchup. So I am not interested really in uh, Kansas City against uh, the Browns at all, and I'm really not interested in the Bills versus the Ravens, Uh, although I think the Bills will prevail uh, in that game. Uh, Kansas City will prevail in that game as well. I'm not so intrigued by AFC matchups uh, this particular weekend, but, man, the NFC is going to be on fire this weekend, man. What say you, Danny? First, starting with that Packer game, how lucky is it that you guys get a banged-up Rams offense coming into Green Man, stop it, man. (laughs) Golf can barely throw. Cooper (laughs) Cup is hurt. I'm curious to see what the Rams do. This week, actually, if they're going to run Acres more, knowing that the uh, Packers defense is not the greatest against the run. I'm very curious how the Rams offense performs. I think their defense will be all right. It depends. Aaron Donald said he's good, but he didn't look good coming out of that game last week against Seattle. I see Green Bay winning this game just based on the Rams are coming in banged up. I, I am intrigued, though, by that Ramsey-Devontae Adams mm-hmm. matchup as well. I, mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he's going to travel with Devontae. That will be my thought, but we'll see. As far as the other games, I have to disagree with you. I am looking forward to these AFC games as well. Just looking at how Baltimore played last week and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen going head-to-head, the Ravens' defense actually is healthy. So Buffalo shouldn't even be in the second round right now, truth be told. What? Indianapolis blew that game last week. All those miscues they had. and Yeah, true, true. They had a lot of opportunities to put the stake in the heart of the Buffalo Bills, and they they just had too many mistakes in that game. Buffalo's, they're a good team, but I think Baltimore has some momentum coming in. So I'm very intrigued by that game Saturday night. Cleveland-Kansas City game, on paper it doesn't look good, but I think Kansas City hasn't been beating teams like they should be. And the way Cleveland came out last week, they're not going to just lay down for the Kansas City Chiefs. And you always look at two of those by teams. That's the other thing with Green Bay, too, not having to play. They get the rest, but do they have some little rust on them? Mm-hmm. So I'm especially in that Cleveland game. So because they're going to be on cloud nine, they're getting some people back. Uh, so I think that's that's an intriguing game. I don't know if it'll be close at the end, but I think it'll be intriguing. And then, like you said, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. This really pains me to watch this game, but uh, – <laughs> I am actually pulling for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because you know the Falcons can't stand the Aints. I think it's going to be really close. If I were to do predictions, I'm going to say Green Bay. I'm going to take Baltimore to upset Buffalo, Kansas City, and then Tampa Bay. I'm thinking that the Bills-Ravens game, I'm uh, I'm thinking that might be a blowout, man, Bills' favor. For that Kansas City-Cleveland Browns, I'm calling for a blowout in that one too in Kansas City's favor. That Tampa Bay-Saints game, that's going I can see that be a very close game, very close game, possibly even in the overtime, or it's going to be like a last possession type game, maybe in the fourth quarter. The Packers Rams game, man, that's going to be that's going to be tighter than what people was giving it. Packers are favored by seven. I'm giving it maybe a three point game. 
Yeah, that that Rams defense, man. And I'm going to say this, too. I think there's going to be a special teams play that is going to really turn the tide. And now the college football playoffs, Alabama rolled tide, went ahead and rolled (laughs) up on the Ohio State University. I can't even call them the Ohio State after getting rolled up like that. Uh, I'll just call them Ohio State University. And that particular game, championship game, we're looking at, what, 52 to uh, 24. I was very close in my score prediction. It was just a game too late. <laughs> I predicted 52-17 uh, when Alabama faced Notre Dame. It ended up being 52-24 in the championship game against Ohio State University. <laughs> Let's just say this, man. The Heisman Trophy winner just really went ahead and showed out in the first half. He only played in the first half, playing the second half where he messed up his uh, hand there and was out the rest of the game. But, man, he did his damage in the first half. Just an awesome performance by him, man. I mean, every time I looked up, it was like he was just separating from the rest of the secondary. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. I'm calling him Mr. Smith, Mr. Heisman Trophy winner, Mr. First Rounder in the upcoming NFL draft where he had 12 receptions for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, come on, man. Alabama went ahead and did it. Congratulations to the young man, young student athletes for persevering throughout this season of COVID mm-hmm. and, and dogs. So Nick Saban went, goes ahead and gets another one passing up Bear Bryant. Alabama team, I don't think is the best Alabama team. Uh, by far, I think the defense is not as good as past defenses. But, man, that offense is wicked. And they are even comparing it to last year's LSU record-breaking offense. So, man, this was just a, a beatdown of great proportions. on An Ohio State team who, and the fans know this, man, y'all know my feelings about Ohio State. Listen, I don't think they should have even been in the Big Ten championship game based upon the rules that the Big Ten established at the very beginning of the season. Ohio State only played five games. They were able to get in to the Big Ten championship game based upon a ruling by the Big Ten. They had to reconvene, make a decision, and put Ohio State in. I just think that that is just such a showcase of privilege to a university that, yes, they have money, yes, they have prestige, and yes, their stadium and program is amazing. Mm -hmm. And yes, the money can go to other Big Ten schools if they get to the championship game, but is that fair? If you establish a rule at the very beginning of the season, you change the rules in the middle of the season, stripping away an Indiana University team and a Northwestern team who basically deserved to be in a championship game. And yes, yeah, Indiana University lost against the Ohio State University. Okay, but they abided by the rules. And if we don't go by any type of rules any longer, I mean, what kind of conference, what kind of program, and what kind of example are we actually providing to our uh, up-and-coming student athletes and -and up-and-coming young adults? Congratulations for them to make it thus far because they did beat down Clemson. I'm happy that Alabama did uh, beat Ohio State purely because of that uh, rule. Jason, there isn't really much to add. I think from the Ohio State side of things, Trey Sermon getting hurt early, not to say it would have impacted the game that much, just based on how Ohio State's defense was looking. 
but that hurt them uh, initially. And then two, Justin Fields. So, you know, he was, he had the six touchdowns against Clemson, but he looked like a different player against Alabama. As we approach the NFL draft, I'm curious where Justin Fields will be selected Mm -hmm. based on the recency bias of the last performance. He would have had the Clemson game as his last game of his college career. Then I think it would have been different. It would have been a no-brainer. But now there's some question where he may he may not be that number two quarterback off the boards. More to come as we go. But, yeah, congratulations to Alabama. And now to the NBA and where there was a blockbuster trade. And, Danny, what, what do we have? Mr. James Harden, after his <laughs> diatribe on Tuesday night, after the Laker game, after they got blew out, calling in the question, the talent on the team, and a c- couple different things as far as the organization and all this other stuff. He gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets, and it was a four-team trade. So blockbuster is definitely a word to explain it. So the Nets receive James Harden. The Pacers receive Karis LeVert from the Nets in a second-round pick. The Cavaliers received Jared Allen from the Nets and Torian Prince from the Nets. And then the Rockets received Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodonis Kyrix, four unprotected first-round picks, and four unprotected first-round pick swaps. There was a lot going on here, and the initial trade was Harden to the Nets and Levert to the Rockets. But then Houston flipped Levert to get Oladipo, with Cleveland being involved as far as making the trade work. What are your feelings about the trade? My feelings are all over the place on this one, man. First, let's start with the Nets. With the uncertainty of Kyrie Irving, I think the Nets decided just to really go ahead and pull the trigger, man, because they needed something to kind of fill the gap um, made by Kyrie and also made by Dinwiddie uh, being injured. Interesting move by the Nets, man. I honestly believe they gave up too much. Jared Allen is a huge defensive threat. And I just don't think having DeAndre Jordan back there uh, really uh, poses to be much of a threat. So that is going to be very interesting, man. And when you think about the times that Giannis uh, has gone against Jared Allen, uh, Jared Allen has blocked Giannis straight up. And Giannis has dunked on Jared Allen, too. Mm -hmm. But that, man, I think they kind of gave up, they meaning the Nets gave up too much. Uh, of their bench there. Levert, man, he was, oh, man, he was coming to, into his own. He was really coming into his own. And maybe the desperate thinking, well, we give up Levert. We're, yeah, we're giving up some offense here, but we're getting offense with uh, James Harden. If I were the Houston Rockets, I would have just gone straight up with Le- getting Levert. Mm-hmm. Having Oladipo, I just don't know, man. I, Oladipo, very nice guy. Very nice guy, man. Good heart. He wanted out of Indiana. And I just don't think, though, I just don't know about him in Houston. We look at the contract. He's going to be up for, for a contract up next year. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, Houston's going to possibly drop Oladipo. We just get an Oladipo for one, one year. That's just an interesting, you know, makeup there. Pacers did very well in this, uh, getting rid of someone who didn't want to be in the organization, but getting a Terrence LeVert, who is, man, just balling out of his mind. Uh, I think the Pacers are going to be a huge problem, man. You got Sabonis down low doing the grunt and grit work. 
You have Brogdon, who's having an awesome season. Hopefully he can stay healthy. And then now you have a Terrence LeBert oh, on the wing. Man, the Pacers have done some nice things here. And I would even say the Cavs have done some nice things, getting a defensive presence in a Jared Allen. And so now you have Jared Allen and Drummond down low. You got Drummond getting the rebounds. You got Jared Allen defending. That is going to be a very tough matchup for anyone. So I think the Cavs and the Pacers did a very good job. Small market teams doing a very good job in this particular blockbuster trade. For Kyrie, listen, I really hope the best for Kyrie. I said I stated it in the in our previous podcast episode. Listen, Kyrie is a phenomenal talent, but there are a lot of players who are who are like a Christian Wood who were really on their grind who traveled the world getting cut in various leagues, seeking opportunities. If Kyrie doesn't necessarily appreciate that, get somebody else the opportunity. You just can't go ghost on an organization. You just can't not return a call from your coach and your the, uh, the governor of the organization say that you appreciate it. I think it would, be, it would have been different if there was a conversation like Kyrie calling the governor and, calling the coach, hey, y'all, I just need some time to myself, whole lot going on my mind or whatever. I just need some time. All right, Kyrie, we just want to say it's going to be for personal reasons. You give us a call back when, when you feel good, but we are going to check on you here and there. So please just answer and pick up the phone so that way we know that everything is okay. That could have been the conversation right there. But yet we, we find ourselves in this position. And so interesting drama as the Nets turn – and so I just think that the Nets, we'll see what happens there. Uh, the Rockets, okay. I mean, I think they were better without James Harden. The Rockets have a nice squad, man. They have a nice nucleus. C. Wood, yeah, Boogie. Yeah, oh, man, you just, P.J. Tucker. I just think that the Rockets are going to be very, very good. That's why I think of the trade, man. What, what about you? Well, Jason, as I texted yesterday, I'm going to start with the Pacers. I thought they won the deal. Uh, you get rid of Oladipo. You bring in Karis LeVert, who still has two years left. Someone who is hungry and just got shunned by the Nets where did you – I don't know if you've been watching any of their games lately, but when Kyrie's been out and when KD was out, he was carrying the team. And he's, he did that last year too. So I thought the Pacers got a steal actually by, get, by flipping him for Oladipo. So you don't have the contract stuff to worry about, any of that drama right now. So they can hoop. And Miles Turner's been hooping too, leading the league in blocks. So they have a good thing going in Indiana. Cleveland, I thought that was a good deal for them. You pick up Jared Allen, you pick up Torian Prince too, another defender, good role player. So that gives them some bench depth. The Rockets, I have a feeling they're going to flip Oladipo at the trade deadline. Mm. When I saw that, I'm like, all right, unless they're in contention, they don't want to mess up chemistry. But if it's like, uh, I don't know if we're going to make that 7 to 10 range mm -hmm. to get in that play yep. in, I can see them flipping Oladipo because he's an expiring contract. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, if, you're, if you want to get something for him, if you know he's not going to resign, my thought is that they may flip him and bring in different assets so they don't have to commit to him for a long-term contract. And then the Nets, I think it just – their bench depth is where it's going to be a problem for them. 
because that's what's carried them, honestly. And they had proven players who've been there, been in the playoffs. So now you break that up. Granted, you're bringing in a superstar. You're bringing in James Harden. But how is that going to translate once you get to the playoffs? And you need that bench depth. Or if one of them gets hurt. I was thinking when they did the deal initially, I was looking for Kyrie's name for going to Houston. <laughs> I was like, so they must be trading Kyrie, but they're not. So I'm, I have mixed feelings on the trade for the Nets. I think mm-hmm. obviously if they get Kyrie and he's in the right frame of mind, great. But they're all ball-dominant players. Kyrie is not a facilitator. He's a ball-dominant player. He's a scorer. He, he plays he, – he's a handler. He, he can create his own shot. KD's the same way. Harden's the same way. So this is where they're going to need somebody to facilitate the offense. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's going to be Kyrie. It's going to be very intriguing to watch them play throughout the year. And let me just say an interesting stat here, man. So, yes, James Harden is still old mega bucks uh, over the next three years. But he will have to pay about $13.6 million in taxes over those three years yep. uh, more. So uh, that move from Houston to uh, Brooklyn, man, that's going to be uh, a hit on the pocketbook. Obviously, Texas doesn't have uh, that state income tax. So a uh, little bit different. But, hey, he wanted it out. Uh, he's been in Houston for a little bit of time, wanted out. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. We will we'll see what happens. And now, as we're talking about Houston and kind of going back into the NFL, we have got to talk about the Houston Texans, man, and what's happening down there in that organization. Man, I just really, really feel bad for Deshaun Watson being really caught in this particular situation where an organization is not really stepping up, coming to the table as best as they can. There are reports that Deshaun Watson is not satisfied, isn't satisfied with the way the organization is really managing things right now. A few of the players have come out and spoke uh, via Twitter, ex-players as well. Uh, One player in particular who rarely talks, uh, that player is none other than Andre Johnson, where he tweeted, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Esterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in or for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic. That is telling, man. And so I had to actually, then I had to look up who is Jack Easterby. He was named the executive vice president of football operations early 2020, January 2020, uh, being promoted to the role after joining uh, the Houston Texans. Man, this is just uh, a pathetic mess, man. For the organization not to hear from your star player in terms of possibly what coaches to, you know, talk talk to or or GM to talk to. You already traded away earlier in the season Hopkins, who is from Clemson, where your quarterback is from Clemson, and you decided to trade away an all-pro wide receiver. Not only that, but you now have J.J. Watt speaking up. And, man, this is just an utter mess. You have both of your superstars speaking up. Honestly, man, I hope that both J.J. Watt 
and Deshaun Watson gets traded mm-hmm. and get the hell out of Houston. Um, I do not want to see those two individuals waste away their career. It's just mind-boggling because Houston was at one point kind of right there. Last uh, year. Yeah, yeah. It's just mind-boggling, man. So I just really hope the best for J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson um, getting out of there, man. Arian Foster even has said some things too, man. So it's just a, a real mess in Houston, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's a toxic environment. Uh, Jack Easterby brought in his boy as the GM from the New England Patriots. And it, it's just a lot of interesting dynamics going on here where he was a team chaplain and now he's worked his way into, into this new role where you don't know if Bill O'Brien was truly pulling the strings now behind or making the calls on some of these things. So he was that face, but was he really making these deals? So that's where a lot of this too, I'm curious to see if there's more information coming out, but everyone's trying to put Deshaun Watson as the one that's responsible for, you know, with him wanting to uh, have input on the, the coaching hire and the GM. But I think there's more behind this and more will come out. So for his sake, I hope Deshaun Watson does get traded and just to get out of that environment because he's only 25 years old. He's a great quarterback. He has a bright future. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. And now to a little bit about HBCU football. Danny, I went ahead and uh, attended a Orange Blossom Classic virtual forum on yesterday evening. And full disclosure, I am on the executive board of the Florida A&M University National Alumni Association. Uh, let me just say that uh, my comments are solely mine and not that of the executive board of Florida A&M University National Alumni Association. I attended the Orange Blossom Classic virtual forum and it was absolutely amazing, man. This forum had both university presidents on there. It had the VP and athletic directors of both universities, the band directors of both universities, Uncle Luke, Luther Campbell. He came on, man, and he's obviously an avid Rattler, FAMU Rattler fan. It was good seeing Uncle Luke, man. He has done so much down there, man. I just don't think people realize how much he has really done. He indicated, you know, he he coaches uh, football. He's been coached for like about 17 or so years. He's gone to multiple, had multiple championships, uh, Pop Warner championships. Uh, he has seen a lot of his kids actually go to HBCUs, play in HBCUs, play for some great schools, and even have gone to the NFL. And he's done that consistently for 17 years, man. And it is just absolutely amazing what he has done, man. And it was just so good to see him, man. His story does not get told nearly enough, nearly enough, man. Yeah, Uncle Luke, you know, had his rap group in there, two live crew. He started off as a DJ, all that stuff, man. And and this, you know, worked himself up, man. And he was an independent too, Jason. If you remember, yeah, yeah, he did his own thing. Everything was out of his own pocket. Yep. Distributed. He he did the CDs for all of you old schoolers that know CDs. He did it all. And mm-hmm. I agree, man. Some people need to give him his flowers while he's here because he's done a lot. He's done a whole lot. Got to give him nothing but props, man. He was on there. But it was, man, it was just absolutely amazing to go through this virtual form. Um, and then you had the I believe she was like the director of the Orange Blossom Classic to come on and 
give us the lay of the land, if you will, about all the events that's going to be happening Labor Day weekend, culminating to the big game against Jackson State University and Florida a University on that Sunday. And then we had the coaches come on, the football head coaches, that is. Shotgun Willie, the head coach of Florida a University, came on, did his thing. And then we thought we would see coach prime apparently there were some technical issues on his end there were instances where people thought they saw him and didn't see him or whatever case may be not a good look coach prime not a good look and you got dragged in the uh chat window man for you to be on instagram on youtube on social media really pushing your squad and not come to this virtual forum promoting eight months in advance the orange blossom classic that is a travesty for those of you who don't know the orange blossom classic is a phenomenal classic uh it started way back when i won't go into the historical nature of it but nonetheless it stopped and then it started back up. It was supposed to happen last year, but COVID messed things up. FAMU and Bethune-Cookman University ends up going to uh, the SWAC. And this is the very first SWAC game for Florida a University and the first game for Coach Prime. And so this is going to be an amazing matchup and where Coach Prime is coming back to his home state right down the street from Miami. And this is going to be huge because Jackson State travels very well and they are hyped. We are hyped, meaning Florida and University is hyped as always. And this is going to be a huge classic. Money is going to be flowing because you're going to have hopefully COVID, the COVID situation subsides, but you're going to have a lot of people there. You're going to have sponsorship there. You already have a group at the, the Orange Blossom Classic, you know, taking in sweet orders and ticket orders. It's already happening eight months in advance. And for and for Coach Prime not to show up, that's huge. And that speaks volumes, man. So then I also have to say that the SWAT commissioner also came on too. So this was a great virtual meeting, man. And I just had to say, Coach Prime, that's not a good look. Did he have did he have wireless like Nelly in the versus battle with Ludacris? <laughs> <laughs> Nelly, Nelly was pausing and hey, all hey, kinds of man. stuff. Hey, look, man, he was getting dragged. People were like, "Man, he probably on set doing another commercial or something like that." Man, and now we have an interesting trading card scenario. What do we have, Danny? So, Jason, tonight our trading card scenario is Sean Kemp's 1990 Hoops rookie card for Blake Griffin's 2009 Tops rookie card. Couple quick bios for you, Jay. Sean Kemp signed a letter of intent to go to the University of Kentucky, did not play with Kentucky, transferred to a community college, never played, stepped foot on the court at the community college. He ended up going to the draft and being the 17th pick by the Seattle Supersonics mm -hmm. in 1989. Blake Griffin went to Oklahoma, was the number one pick by the Los Angeles Clippers in 2009. Sean Kemp, as some people know him as the Rain Man, mm -hmm. played 14 seasons, Never won a title, was a six-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, averaged 14 points, eight boards and assists, and made it to the championship against the Chicago Bulls in 1996. For those of you who saw The Last Dance and where Gary Payton said he was going to check Jordan, that's where that <laughs> came from. 
Blake Griffin has played 11 seasons so far. No ring, six-time All-Star as well. He was the Rookie of the Year. And five-time All-NBA, where he's averaged 21 points, nine rebounds, and four assists. So, Jason, in the back porch, which car do you want in your portfolio? Look, man, the fans know where I'm about to go with this. The Rain Man, R-E-I-G-N, came right out of high school onto an NBA court. In doing so had a very successful career man one other note like you said he went to a community college Mm -hmm. that same community college also had nick van axel and that community college is uh trinity valley community college down somewhere in texas so nick van axel who is from kenosha kenosha area uh also went there so very interesting piece of uh, fact there but nonetheless in that 1989 draft Okay, I'm just going to name off some names here. Never Nervous Purvis Ellison, (laughs) the number one draft pick. Danny Ferry, Sean Elliott, Glenn Rice, J.R. Reed, Stacey King, Koo Richardson, Nick Anderson, Mookie Blaylock, Tim Hardaway, and then Sean Kemp got drafted. But I'm going to take it a step further, man. I'm going to give you some more names in this draft, man. B.J. Armstrong, Blue Edwards, Vladi Divac. These were foundational pieces in championship runs. These names, they they were very prominent in college and where they actually stayed in college for two, three, maybe even four years Mm -hmm. and then went to the NBA and made a name for themselves. And so, again, these were foundational pieces in, on very good teams that ended up going, in some instances, going to the NBA Finals and even winning championships and all. So I, I say that to say, man, look, man, this was a very hard decision, man. I'm not even done analyzing it. Sean Kemp, Rain Man, was just dunking on fools, man, especially when Gary Payton got drafted, uh, I want to say, about a year later. Yep. And that combination was lethal. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't seem like uh, Sean Kemp really scored a lot. You got to look at the entire team that he had. You know, I mean, he had some veterans on in the squad. Uh, he was just a nice, good athletic piece to put in there. And he found his niche. And then you bring in Gary Payton and then you get a good coach in there. And to go into the NBA Finals against Jordan and the Bulls and win two games, that says a lot, man. The grind was real in Seattle for him. Everybody knew about Sean Kemp on Sports Center back then. Yes. The way that he was dunking on fools, <laughs> he had that those power dunks, man. It really reminded me a, a little bit of Dominique Wilkins mm-hmm. and his power dunks and all. You know my affinity towards uh, Dominique. Sean Kemp was the real deal. The Rain Man was the real deal. And compare with Blake Griffin who is the number one draft pick looking at his college. I mean, looking at college, I mean, he was known in college, man. He was like all American in college, all that stuff, man. Won awards in college, all that, right. Number one draft pick, the whole nine. Uh, he can also jump uh, out of the, out of the building. I mean, he won slam dunk contest, primarily the one where he jumps over the car, all that good stuff. Uh, in his draft, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in his draft, okay? 2009, he was the number one draft pick. Uh, we don't know what happened to the number two pick, Hashim Thabit. The number three pick was James Harden, Tyreek Evans, Ricky Rubio, Steph Curry. Later on in that draft pick at number seven, Demar Derozan. Ironically enough, the Milwaukee Bucks chose 
Brandon Jennings. You had uh, Tyler Hansborough, who I actually I believe was the best player in college at that you know at, at that time. But then you also have Jeff Teague, who was uh, drafted. Then uh, Taj Gibson, Demar Carroll. You have so many good players drafted in this draft, man. And Blake Griffin is number one. This was a tough one because Blake Riff- Griffin was jumping out of the building too. You have Lob City in L.A. <laughs> Oh man, he was dunking on fools, man. Bailey. Oh man, and it was very. This one was a hard one, but I'm gonna say this: the fact, the fact that the LA Clippers did not advance to even the conference finals says a lot. Where versus that of Sean Kemp, not only going to the conference finals, but beating two Hall of Famers, John Stockton and Carl Malone, and getting to the finals and playing the Chicago Bulls. And that year, they even won 60-plus games. Mm-hmm. 64, I believe. And, and won two games in the finals. So, and there's some thoughts by Jordan about that, right? But nonetheless, a win is a win. It's, it's, yep. on, <laughs> it's, on, it's on there. It's, it's in the books. So with that, man, I'm going with Sean Kemp Rain Man, man, because, you know, honestly, that nickname is off the chain. The Rain Man. I'm going Sean Camp all day. Well, Jason, I also agree. I think this is a tough decision. I'm looking at the cards now, too. Can't forget the cards. The thing that Sean Kemp did, I think that gets lost, was his defense. He would be he would fit perfectly in this NBA because he could guard multiple positions. And the same thing with his dunks, he was also throwing people stuff off the glass. They're mm-hmm. coming in. He, so he was a great defender. And his game, like you said, they had a lot of shooters on that team. With like Dale Ellis and Detlef Shrimp, Big Smooth, Sam Perkins. <laughs> so they're deep. They had a good squad. And he was a key component of that squad with him and GP. And then you look at Blake Griffin. You wonder if part of the reason they got held back was all the turmoil from the Clippers organization and what was all going on behind the scenes there. Even though they had a lot of talent, they had CP3, they had DeAndre Jordan in his prime. If that impacted them, and Blake doesn't really play defense, he's a heck of a offensive player. Not, and he's banged up now, so a lot of people can't appreciate what he looked like when he came out of school. And his athleticism was off the charts. All that being said, I'm going to take Sean Kemp's rookie card. <laughs> have my portfolio. It's very close. I think they're very comparable, but I think Sean Kemp just had a more all-around game. And the era he played in was a tough era. There you have it. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love. 